Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week one of a brand new message series called The Messy Middle. And we're going to come in hot today. We're going to start off kind of heavy. Uh, and what I want you to do as we begin our message today is this. I want you to think about a time in your life when you had some heavy questions for God. And for some of you, that's now. For some of you, that's like today. I'm in the middle of something where I have some heavy questions for God. Yeah, do, you, do you have a few questions for God? Am I the only one? Yeah, you, 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 like, come on, you, you're going to take your last breath. You're going to stand before God. At some point, you're going to be face-to-face with, with, with the Almighty. I have some questions. I've got some stuff I want to know answers to. And it's not... Like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump up there and start interrogating God and why did you and how could you. But there's just been some stuff in my life that I don't understand. And I bet the same is true for you. And I'll bet, for most of you, the questions you have for God have to do with pain. Something that hurts. Something that happened to you that you don't understand or something that happened to a loved one that you can't get your head around and that you don't understand. Something that, that goes, that, that's, that's happened to, to you or to someone you care about. <clears throat> and usually it connects in some way to, to bad things happening to good people. That, that gives birth to a lot of questions. And it's in our pain where we come to a crossroads. When we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we don't understand what God is doing, we find ourselves at a crossroads. And we can allow that pain to bring us closer to God or to push us further away. And it happens, it's happened that way probably for for most of us in both directions. Maybe some of you have had that experience. Maybe some of you, you kind of, you know, you're kind of just bopping along, living your life, doing your thing. And bad news comes to visit, that phone call comes to visit, or you learn, you learn of a terrible diagnosis, or you learn that a loved one was killed, or you learn that somebody's addicted to something. Like something awful just interrupts your day-to-day flow, and all of a sudden, what rises up in you is, why? And you've got a, you've got a moment here. Some of you have experienced a moment like that and it brings you to your knees and you talk to God and you pray to God and now for, for, like for the next days or weeks you're just talking to him and you're pleading with him and you're connecting with him in a new way and the pain has actually done something good in your life. And for others of you, and I say this with no judgment, for others of you, the pain drove you further from God and you tagged out like a blackjack dealer changing hands. I'm done. I'm, that's it. I can't, I can't abide the idea of a God who would allow that to happen. I can no longer relate to the concept of a God who would permit this. If he is, in fact, the general manager of the cosmos, if he is, in fact, sovereign over the earth, and this happened, then that means that this happened on his watch, and that must mean he either doesn't care or isn't good. Either way, I'm out. How, how's that for a heavy start to a sermon? We okay? We still all right? Everybody, we still, yeah. But it's real talk, yeah? We've been there. Everyone you know, we all know someone who's been there. And we've all had that impulse. My favorite author, C.S. Lewis, we've got a quote for you from C.S. Lewis. My favorite author, C.S. Lewis, said this in his book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us 
in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God can speak to you in your pain. That difficulty, that, that horror, that struggle can do beautiful things in your life, but only if there are two things in place. One, faith in the end of the story, and two, courage to confront the brutal facts of your current reality. Let me hit you with that again in case it went by too fast. Two things are necessary to figure this out. One, faith in the end of the story, and two, courage to confront the brutal facts of your current reality. Has anybody here ever heard of Admiral James Stockdale? You may remember that name if you're a fan of politics. Stockdale ran for president in 92. Admiral Stockdale was the highest ranking official, uh, military officer, to be imprisoned in what was later known as the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam. Stockdale spent eight years in a Vietnamese prison camp. I'm gonna run that one by you again. Eight years in a Vietnamese prison camp. He was tortured more than 20 times in that window because he wouldn't get on board with the North Vietnamese propaganda machine. He wouldn't have a camera pointed at him. He wouldn't say terrible things about his country on camera to support the North Vietnamese propaganda machine. He's tortured 20 times. He was later interviewed by a man named Jim Collins in a book called Good to Great. Collins asked him, Admiral Stockdale, how did you survive? How did you get through that? His answer came quickly. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I knew not only that I would get out of this prison camp, but that I would turn it into the defining moment of my life, which, in retrospect, I would not trade said Admiral Stockdale. He knew the story would end differently than where it was. This isn't the end of the story. Where you are isn't the end of the story. There's more to come. If we're going to navigate through this difficulty, if we're going to navigate through this struggle, if we're going to find our way out of the messy middle, we're going to need faith in the end of the story. To believe that God's not done yet. That there's more to come. The interview continued. Who didn't make it out? Stockdale replied quickly again. Oh, that's easy. The optimists. That answer surprised me because I'm an optimist. Are you optimists? I'm optimistic that some of you are. See what I did there? Never mind. Okay, so, I'm an optimist. I think optimism is a better way to look at the world than pessimism. What Stockdale was saying is that better than both pessimism and optimism is realism. So who didn't make it out of the Hanoi Hilton? The optimists. Those who went, who, who, who said, oh, guys, don't worry, don't worry. It's all going to be fine. We're going to be out of here by Christmas. And then Christmas came and went, and they're still there. 
And then they said, oh, don't, don't worry. Don't you guys worry. We'll be out of here by spring. And then spring came and went. And they're still, don't, okay, no, no, for sure, man. We'll be, we gotta be out of here by, by autumn. We'll be out here by this fall. Don't worry. And season after season and holiday after holiday would come and go. And eventually, according to Admiral Stockdale, they just died of a broken heart. What's needed to survive this kind of difficulty is two things. Faith in the end of the story, and two, the courage to confront the brutal facts of our current reality. And Christians fail on both sides of this question. We get it wrong, we often, not always, but we often get it wrong on both sides. For starters, we forget to believe in the end of the story. We forget that this story has a different ending than the, than, than the one we can currently see. This place is a temporary place. We forget we were made for another world. We forget that we, we, we get it backwards, right? Sometimes we just think that we are bodies who have a soul, and the truth is we're souls who have a body. It's different. Everybody with me on that? Some of you are going to get that on the way home. It's good. Just put it away. You'll, you'll get it later. Okay, so what that means is you're a part of a vast, amazing story. It's not the story of you. The story you're in is not the story of you. If it's the story of you, pain doesn't make any sense. If your life, come on, come with me for a minute. If your life is The Me Show, starring me, written by me, directed by me, produced by me, edited by me, and scored by me, then pain doesn't make any sense. Because it's all about you, and how could God allow this? But if you back up for a minute, gain some perspective, and come to understand your story is part of a vast, amazing thing. The part you've been given to play may involve some difficulty. It may involve some struggle. It may involve some suffering. But God glorifies himself in that difficulty. It makes more sense when you have perspective. When it's all about you, pain seems inconceivable. We fail sometimes to remember to have faith in the end of the story. And then sometimes, Christians sometimes just don't have the guts to face up to the brutal facts of their current reality. And some of you have seen this in action. This is one of these things, it's like just, woo, like, I, there, there's a, oh, let me choose my words carefully here. There's a stripe of Christian, like somebody in the family, I don't, I'm not talking about a person in this church, I mean a type of believer who is, so ridiculously, relentlessly optimistic that they don't face up to the facts of current reality. And this, this, that last paragraph was influenced by something I witnessed once. I was with a, a friend at another church in another time, a long, a long time ago. And I was one of three people standing in the church lobby, and, and one friend shared a, a recent cancer diagnosis. And it was very clear that he was rattled and very scared. This wasn't the kind of, statistically speaking, this wasn't one of those cancer diagnoses that left a lot of room for optimism. Is everyone with me? And I just, I, I didn't know what to say. I was just so overwhelmed. And I, all I could spit out was, oh, man, I'm just, I'm so sorry. And the, the other person in this little triangle jumped in. Oh, forgive me. 
This other person jumps in and goes, oh, don't worry. It's going to be cool. It's going to work out. You just have to have faith. You're going to believe our, we're going to believe our way through this. The three of us, we're going to start praying right now, and we're going to, we're going to come to the throne of grace, and God says we can come to the throne of grace, and we're going to pray, and you're going to, you watch. God's going to heal you, and, that's, and you know what? That's not what happened. You ever been on the front lines of some of that nonsense? Guess what happens then? Everybody within the blast radius around that event thinks maybe it's their fault because maybe they didn't pray hard enough or didn't have enough faith. You ever had a front row seat for that? You get, you get, you get up close and personal with somebody like that, run. Run. We don't have too many Christians here like that. I scared most of them off years ago. But... Once in a while, you find somebody, you're just, look, like, look, are we called to have faith? Yeah. Are we called to approach God and ask for miracles? Yes. Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I believe in all of that. But I also believe that sometimes God chooses not to intervene. And if you get this backwards, if you don't have the courage to confront the brutal reality that's right in front of you, every time God doesn't deliver a miracle, you're going to be left wondering, A, whether it's your fault because you didn't believe hard enough, pray hard enough, give hard enough, serve hard enough, fast enough, or do whatever it was. You, you didn't behavior your way through it. You didn't effort your way through it. And God obviously was uh, unimpressed with what you brought to the, to the table, so he didn't answer the prayer. You're going to wonder things like that, or you're going to wonder, is God just indifferent, out to lunch, or non-existent? One or the other depending on whether you fail to have faith in the end of the story or courage to confront the brutal reality of what's right in front of you. Here's the brutal reality of what's right in front of us. Ready? There is a cause and effect relationship between sin and suffering. It just doesn't work the way we think it does. There's a cause and effect relationship between sin and suffering, and it works just like this. The world is a broken place. Could we agree on that? It's messed up out there, yes? Yeah. It's messed up. Need some feedback. You guys are all like shell-shocked. I know it's heavy. Stay with me. We're all right. The world is a broken place. All you have to do is glance at the world we live in to see that it's broken. It was broken by sin. Another preacher said it very well. When sin entered the world, it held the door open for sin, suffering, death, taxes, and mosquitoes. <laughs> I can't prove that mosquitoes were part of the fall of humanity, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, okay? So, when sin entered the world, it held the door open for sin and sorrow. And now these things are a part of our world, and they're a part of where we operate, and they're a part of our reality. So every time cancer comes to visit, every time a drunk driver takes somebody from you, every time some awful, terrible thing happens, it's happening because there's a cause and effect relationship between sin and suffering. But it's not a one-to-one -one causality. It's not a one-to-one -one causality. And what messes with us is we think it should be a one-to-one -one causality. We think there's something inside of us that thinks 
that God should be punishing sin in the here and now right away so that good things come to good people and bad things come to bad people. We secretly, under the surface, in places we don't talk about at parties, we believe that that's how it ought to be. Which is why we are so scandalized when something bad happens to someone good. When something bad happens to someone good, it messes with us. And we're like, well, what, what's going on? They didn't deserve this. And, 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 and I know somebody who did deserve it, and they didn't get it, and they're doing just fine. And now, we're trapped. Now, we're tagging out. Now, we, don't, we simply find that story no longer credible. Because we're pretty sure there ought to be a one-to-one causality between sin and suffering. That bad things should bring punishment and that should happen right away. And we're not the first people to believe that. Right? Let me, we're going to dial back. This is from the Gospel of John. This is Jesus and his followers walking along. Take a look at this. This is from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 9. As he went along, he being Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His, disciple, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Everyone understand the question? Well, something bad happened to him. He must have done something bad. I mean, that's the underpinning assumption. Something bad happened to him. He must, have been, he must have done something bad. Obviously, that's how it works. But if he was born blind, like he was already blind when he was born, was that his fault or is, was that his parents? Like, did, is he being punished for his parents? I mean, obviously, you can't, you can't sin before you're born, so... Why, why, why was he punished? Is this, is this carryover sin? Is this generational stuff? And they don't, they're like, Rabbi, what gives? Because it's messing with their worldview. Everyone understands? He's a bad person. Clearly, uh, you know, he must be a bad person or he must be descended from bad people if this bad thing has happened to him. I feel enlightened. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Anyway. There's like a middle school student back there. Just <laughs> All right, so Jesus continues, verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. No, you guys got it wrong. He's not, it wasn't this guy. This guy didn't sin. This, this didn't happen to him because he screwed up somehow. This didn't happen because he's being punished for his parents' sin. This happened because there's a cause and effect reality to sin and suffering. It, he's, he's blind because the world is a broken place. It's not because he did something wrong. He, in fact, is playing a part in a vast, amazing story. The part he was given to play was to be born blind so that in this moment right now, he could be healed in sight of everyone and that God might be given glory. That was his part to play. 
Sometimes we're given a part to play in a vast, amazing story, and that part involves suffering and difficulty. There's another passage. We heard about this not too long ago from the Gospels where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. A man is paralyzed. Do you remember this story of the, of the guy who got lowered through the roof? You guys remember that story? If you've not been to church recently or you don't know the story, it's, I'll just give you the Reader's Digest version. There was, a, there was a, a window of time during Jesus' life when he was very, very popular, when he was almost like celebrity status. He was the miracle man from Galilee. Signs and wonders seemed to accompany him. And wherever he went, people gathered in large numbers to hear him and to wonder what was going to happen next. And he happened to be teaching at this house uh, where, where people were packed in. And there was a man in that village who was paralyzed. That paralyzed man had four friends who were determined to bring that man to Jesus. So they carried him to the house where Jesus was teaching. But they found a total mob scene. The house is packed. Everyone's just jammed in there like crazy. There's people hanging out the window. There's people in the doorway. They're three or four deep trying to listen. It, just, it's just, it was just crazy. So these four intrepid souls, what they do is they manage to, they manage to get their friend up on the roof. I'll leave it to you to imagine how that happened. They, they, they get a paralyzed man up onto the roof. They clear away the material that the roof was made of, and they actually lower a paralyzed man down in front of Jesus as he is teaching. Interrupt his sermon, interrupt his teaching, and drop a paralyzed dude just right in front of him. Kind of a party foul, honestly. Not cool. Don't ever do that to me, okay? So I think that's, that's what they do. They just interrupt. They just drop the guy down. And then Jesus says something really weird. He says, my son, your sins are forgiven. To which everyone goes, what? Like, hello, left field, we're going to need something out of you in about a minute. What, what did he just say? What? Your sins are forgiven? So two things happened then. One, everybody in the room who was religious was scandalized because they said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have the authority to forgive sins. You're a teacher. What do you, what do you mean you could forgive the guy's sins? And then another reaction, at least one of these dudes, okay, remember, this, there's action happening in the room, and there's four guys on the roof looking down like this. So if you look up, there's like four dudes looking down. At least one of these dudes, right? Guy on the, guy on the mat gets lowered down, and, and, and he says, your sins are forgiven. At least one of these dudes on the roof says, your sins are forgiven? We brought him here because of the paralysis. You know how hard it was to carry that dude here and get him up on the roof? I don't want to have to carry him home. Could you help us with his legs? I guarantee you there's at least one dude thinking that. And then Jesus says, yeah, no, actually, I do have the authority to forgive sins. And to prove it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counteract the results of sin in this guy's life and show you healing. And he's healed. Not, he's healed of a paralysis not caused by his specific sin, but because he, he exists in a world that's broken by sin. Everybody understand? 
The world is broken. It's not functioning the way it ought to. It awaits redemption. God is going to straighten things out. But, but, but some of you are here, and you're trapped. You're in the messy middle. You don't know. You don't know what God is doing or why he's doing it or why he would allow this thing. And, and, and so something terrible happened to you or something terrible happened to someone that you love, and you tagged out, and you walked away from God. I actually have great news from you. You walked away from a God who doesn't exist. That God isn't real. That God was a figment of your imagination. God has never operated that way. It has never been like that in the scriptures. In fact, at the center of our faith is this. The worst possible thing happened to the best possible person so that our sins could be forgiven. God doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. Nonsense. Here's something further for you. If you go on, if you continue like that, with that kind of oblivious optimism, this world will grind your faith into dust. It will grind your faith into dust. You simply won't survive it. You won't make it out of this prison camp in which we find ourselves. We have to believe in the end of the story, that God is going to do something great while still confronting the brutal reality of where we are. Where we are is in a broken, messed up place awaiting redemption, but there is still beauty in the here and now. And if we can find courage enough to confront the brutal facts of what's in front of us while not losing faith in the end of the story, we can play the part God gave us to play in the here and now. Another quote from C.S. Lewis as we close today. If you're wondering why none of this makes sense, it's because, well, let me, let me let C.S. Lewis spell it out. If I find within myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find within myself a desire that no experience in this world, I might add to that, if I find within myself a question that no, that no one in this world can answer, if I find myself if I find within myself a struggle that no experience in this world can explain, if I find within myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You were made for another world. This isn't it. Answers are coming. I don't have all of them. I've got lots of questions myself. But I'm trying to find courage to confront the brutal reality of what's, front, what's in front of me while still maintaining my faith in the end of the story. And herein we find our struggle. We talked the last couple Sundays about the story of Joseph. We're coming back to the story of Joseph again next week as we work our way through the messy middle. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for some correction, because we struggle with this. We have a hard time with this. We lose faith in the end of the story. We lack the courage we need to face the brutal reality of what's in front of us, and, and, and we need help on both fronts to believe that the pain we see and what we're experiencing isn't the end, to believe that you're at work even in the difficulty. 
to come to you with faith and to come to you with belief while still being realistic about what's right in front of us. Father, this is difficult and it's hard and it, it, it requires, we, we need help with this. We need your spirit to take up residence and give us words and create faith within us. And so I'm praying that for myself and I'm praying that for everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.